Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on his side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to, we've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. And so it begins. The Biden has been unleashed, if you will. And for those of you saying, that's not fair. You're already being mean to him. I'm not being mean. At the, this is talk radio. <laughs> I'm Crystal Heath. You can call me the Friddle. Thanks for joining us for this, our first podcast under the Joe Biden presidential administration. So we had Joe Biden's first day in office, which shall be forever remembered by conservatives and I would argue Americans as the day that Joe Biden decided to disenfranchise women and uh, kill jobs not only in our own country, but nationwide. Allow me to explain. On his first day in office, the new president signed, I believe it was 15 executive orders and two, I forget what they're calling them, two agreements or statements or something like that. So he had 17 directives, essentially, many dealing with uh, reversing Trump's immigration policies, ensuring that the Biden administration will always be fair and equitable and that no racism will ever exist in America or the world ever again because he is clearly capable of eliminating it completely. And then some things dealing with uh, COVID, the administration, of course, complaining that the previous administration has left them no plans whatsoever. No plans. Probably no vaccine either. It's very... <laughs> I'm going to try to not be too sarcastic in this one, guys, but I got to tell you, for the good speech on unity that we had at the inauguration, his first day in office left much to be desired. It wasn't even a full day, and he's already just trying to destroy any sense or semblance of unity he could have had. So, a few highlights in case you missed them. Uh, he signed an executive order, and you can read these on the webs on the on the website. Yeah, on the White House website, WhiteHouse.gov. Executive order on preventing and combating discrimination on the basis of gender identity or sexual orientation. That sounds sounds good, right? Well, here's a little here's a little side note, just a just a little footer that is kind of buried in this executive order that you may have missed if you're not, you know looking for things to report about, and instead your media is focused on asking the new president if he enjoys being president, what it's like being president, and if he plans to keep the same color schemes in Air Force One. It is amazing to me. The media has literally done a 360. It was like during Trump that they remembered how to actually do research and ask questions, and the moment that Joe Biden was sworn in, all ability to do any sort of journalism has left them. But anyway, this executive order is a slap in the face to biological women everywhere, specifically athletically inclined biological women. Because as part of this executive order included in it is the fact that now, based on this order, any educational institution that receives any federal funding must admit biologically male athletes. So if you were born a boy... 
and you attend a institution that receives any federal funding, uh, biologically male athletes are now permitted on women's teams to receive women's scholarships and so on. I'm disappointed in Kamala Harris for allowing this to happen because uh, the Biden administration has placed a new glass ceiling over young women in this country. I'm telling you, this this will kill women's sports. You know, I I I cannot get over I cannot get over how the women's rights and women's lib movements allow this sort of thing to happen and don't have marches in the streets because this is this is what I mean this is not equality by any stretch of the imagination even with hormone blockers and it doesn't if if you are biologically male you were created by god with physical abilities generally speaking and physical strength that is going to surpass the average male's physical strength is going to surpass the average the strength of the average female it's just the way that our bodies are wired and even with hormone blockers it has been shown that that fact remains the same so we have a, a slap in the face to biological women instead of empowering women we decide to disenfranchise them on our first day uh, in office then we decide that that's not quite enough. We need to also kill some jobs while we're at it on our first day in office. So how do we do that? Well, let's end the Keystone Pipeline and make our allies in Canada mad at us on our first day in office. The premier of Alberta, Canada, where this pipeline was going to be shipping oil from, uh, has called for trade sanctions on the United States because of this executive order. And Justin Trudeau, who, by the way, is not like a big conservative guy, has expressed his grave disappointment with the president. TC Energy has said that uh, the Keystone Pipeline was sustaining more than 11,000 jobs this year. So the Biden administration effectively begins their first day in office with a net negative 11,000 jobs lost. Estimates uh, go as high as 42,000 American jobs indirectly would have been funded by the Keystone Pipeline, 3,200 temporary construction jobs, and it would have generated, besides what it has already generated, an additional $2 billion in wages. But I guess since those jobs aren't being lost in, say, California or New York then the new president doesn't actually, he's not actually the president for all Americans because the main people that will be affected by this are those living in Montana, South Dakota, and Nebraska. Interesting that the president chooses to kill jobs in all red states on his first day in office, considering that he was going to be the great unifier and president for all Americans and happiness, joy, love, peace, and butterflies. He's also re-entered us into the Paris Climate Accord, which according to Real Clear Energy, 
I'm sorry, not real clear energy. Where is it? Uh, I've lost it. I had a had an article. Where did it go? Let me see if I can find it real quick here. Oh, I got it. It's the International Labor Organization. Again, not exactly this bastion of conservative politics, but the International Labor Organization says that over 6 million jobs will be lost globally in the energy sector as the United States joins rejoins rather the Paris Climate Accord. Now, if the rejoining the Paris Climate Accord is in any way reflects what we went through under the Obama administration, we spent, uh, I believe it was $1 billion, without, by the way, any authorization from Congress, and again, now Biden has re-entered without authorization from Congress, $1 billion, American dollars, to fund this thing. So not only is it killing, sorry, the one billion went to the Green Climate Fund that worked with the Paris Climate Accord and the Paris Agreement, and blah. and oh, by the way, the Paris Climate Accord does very little to actually affect the uh, the climate itself, and it requires us to update our commitments every five years to make them more ambitious than they currently are. which is going to make them, by the way, more expensive and therefore cut even more jobs. He also instituted a federal land mask mandate. So now at federal parks and any federal lands, federal buildings, masks are mandated nationwide. It doesn't matter if you're in the middle of Yellowstone and there are nobody, nobody there but you and the bears. You and the bears must now wear masks. Of course, he then visited the Lincoln Memorial and violated his own mask mandate by not wearing his mask while he was at the Lincoln Memorial. So we're breaking rules that we're making in the same day. This is a fun, this is, this is fun. He also rejoined who? The World Health Organization and Dr. Anthony Fauci is going to be our representative there, apparently. But interestingly, the same day that Biden re-enters us into who? The World Health Organization, again. Just just one hour after he is sworn in, in fact, the who, the who, it just sounds, I can't even take it seriously. The World Health Organization issued a, what do they call this? A, a notice, an information notice for IVD users, users 2020 slash 05. Nucleic acid testing, NAT technologies that use polymerase chain reaction, or PCR, for detection of SARS-CoV-2. You might say, okay, what is that? Well, the WHO, in their announcement yesterday, one hour after Biden was sworn in, says that manual adjustment of the PCR positivity threshold is recommended. The cycle threshold needed to detect virus is inversely proportional to the patient's viral load. Again, if you don't speak medical, essentially what that means is that the WHO is advising laboratories around the world to reduce the cycle count in PCR COVID testing, which will then result in fewer positive tests going forward. 
which will mean a large, very large decrease in COVID-19 testing because now you need more, I don't know how to describe it to you, but um, basically who is changing the guidelines as to what now will be classified as a positive COVID result. And changing this guideline is going to, scientists are telling us, drastically reduce the number of positive COVID cases we will now see moving forward. Now look, I'm not big into conspiracies, but you couldn't have waited like a couple days, a couple weeks to make this announcement. I would argue that conservatives and Trump supporters have been saying that maybe there's something fishy going on since like March of 2020. But amazingly, the WHO... Who admits that PCR testing at high amplification rates alters the predictive value of the test and results in huge numbers of false positives one hour after Biden is sworn in? So you're going to see coronavirus positive testing numbers drastically drop in the weeks immediately following Biden's inauguration. (laughs) You just can't make this up. Although I guess if we're doing this the way the the media says we should, then nearly 8,000 people died in America yesterday from COVID under Joe Biden's leadership, and it's definitely his fault. No, it's just ridiculous, but that's what they did to Trump every day. But this, this from who is, this is like earth-shattering stuff. But again, our mainstream media is too busy asking our new president if he's going to keep the color scheme and Air Force One to address the fact that, hello, COVID is going away. Or to ask, you know, why he feels all right with breaking his own mask mandate at the Lincoln Memorial. <sighs> I, I, was, I was honestly doing better on Inauguration Day than I am today. Because now we have, now we have him in office doing, doing things. And I, I, I just... I, I knew they said they were going to get right to work... But I just, I, you know, I, I had a glimmer of hope. His speech gave me a glimmer of hope. He, he talked a good talk. So he was going to unify. He was going to be the president for all Americans. But I just don't see that. I don't see that at all. And then, and then people are arguing, well, but he's, he's doing so much for DACA and for Dreamers and for, for our immigrants. Okay. Um, well, we can talk about all those things another time because I'm going to run out of time today if I get into those. But he's, he's now allowing... Or, or instituting that those who are not in this country legally be counted in the census. Okay, this is not this 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 is just logic. Okay, if you count those who are not actually Americans in the census, this then will affect the no, the representation that those states have in Congress. Now, this, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out which states are seeing the greatest influx of illegal immigrants and how that might affect what happens to our Congress and which states gain representation. I mean, that's, this is such a political move. It has nothing at all to do with caring about, uh, caring about immigrants, in my opinion, legal or not. In fact, it actually disenfranchises legal immigrants, but I digress. Uh, 
<sighs> I need to transition and I just don't have a good transition right now. But I, I want to address how many of you felt when Biden was sworn in. I want to talk about Trump's departure a little bit. I, I, I put something up on Facebook. And by the way, if you, if you listen to this program and you want to follow me on Facebook or on Twitter, I have public profiles at The Friddle on both Facebook and Twitter. I, my personal Facebook account, I save for those people and individuals, friends and family, whom I know well and whom I interact with on a regular basis. I, uh, I had a post that I put out on Inauguration Day and subsequently I have received uh, a good number of friend requests from people and individuals that I don't know and I, I'm not uh, trying to be mean or cruel or keep you out of my life but that's just not how I run my social media, okay? If there is something that I want to share with people that I don't share my daily life with, then I mark it as public on my private page or you can find it on my public profiles at Facebook Twitter at the Friddle, so that's just that's how I that's how I do my my private uh, Facebook page. So I'm sorry if your friend requested me there, but I'm not um, I'm not accepting friend requests to my personal Facebook at this time from people that I don't actually know. That's all. But um, I just want you to to know that I get it. I I understand the feelings that many of you have experienced this past week. Um, I, I didn't necessarily share them this week, but what I can tell you is that I distinctly remember when George W. Bush got into the presidential helicopter and, was it Marine One, and flew away. I wept that day. I mean, I wept for many reasons. I wept because... I'd been working on a conservative campaign in the state of Pennsylvania, and we had lost, which also meant then that I'd lost my job. I wept because my first car also happened to die. Uh, I think it was either, I think it was that day my car just died, kaput, gone. But mainly I wept because I'd been told, and I believed, that my nation, my principles, that conservatism could not survive four years of Barack Obama, let alone eight years. Sound familiar? Yet here we are, 12 years later, and we just had four years of what I would argue has been one of the most conservative presidencies of my lifetime, and I'll talk about that in a moment, but eight years of Obama led to four years of Trump, and I, I can't help but think what four or eight years of Biden might lead to if if and and I we may it may be that this country looks very different I I don't have any qualms or make any excuses or say that the next two to four years won't be difficult for our country and for many people in our country I believe that they will be and as a political junkie Every inauguration is emotional for me. Every election night is emotional for me. The transfer of power, the process of Republican government, it fascinates and captivates me. I always watch the results. I always watch the inauguration. I missed it this year, not intentionally. I, I thought Biden swearing in was at noon because that's what I read everywhere. And when I turned on uh, the news at like 11.54, it had already happened and we were into the acceptance speech. So then I had to go backwards and rewind so I didn't get to see it live. But it was not in any way intentional. I wasn't trying to avoid it. Um, and, and Joe Biden is our president now. 
that's almost as hard for me to believe as it was when I said four years ago that Donald Trump was now the president of the United States of America. Because I, I, I didn't support Donald Trump in the 2016 Republican primary. This is no great secret. Uh, I didn't think he was a Republican, nor did I think he was a moral man, nor did I trust him to do the conservative things that he said he would do. And you don't have to take my word for it. You can dig through the archives and watch me literally on CNN talking about this if you would like to do that. I voted for Trump in 2016 solely as a lesser of the two evils option, if you will. I could not begin to think about a Hillary Clinton presidency because I fully believed that she would do everything that she said that she would and more. For me, voting for Donald Trump was the only justifiable alternative, was the best way to keep us from a worse fate. I realize that people disagree with that in all kinds of ways, but that was my reasoning. And when Trump won the election in 2016, it was a shock to me, and as I think it was to much of the world and most definitely the media. But when he won, I prayed for him as my president. I prayed for his family. I prayed for his administration. I prayed that he would prove me wrong. I prayed that he would make decisions that would be in the best interest of our nation, that would honor our constitution, and that would uphold traditional conservative American values. I prayed for his salvation if he wasn't saved. I prayed that if he was saved that he would live as a Christian. And I prayed that the, the decisions that he made would be in the best interest of our nation. And slowly... His administration won me over. I watched as Donald Trump implemented policy after policy after policy that I once imagined impossible. To name just a few, he moved our embassy to Jerusalem and brokered historic peace agreements between Israel and Arab and Muslim countries, including the UAE, Bahrain, and Sudan. He ended government funding which would be my money and your money, tax dollars, for abortion and fetal tissue research funded by, by, by our government. He became the first sitting president to attend the March for Life. He appointed three originalists to the Supreme Court. He appointed more than 200 lower court justices. He didn't get us into any new wars. He's the first president since Reagan to do that, the first president of my lifetime. First time in my lifetime that America has not entered a new foreign conflict. How crazy is that? His Tax and Job Act uh, gave more than 6 million American workers wage increases and bonuses. He doubled the child tax credit. It was the largest tax reform in American history. Our nation's unemployment hit record lows across the board, including for blacks and Hispanics and women. Our, the Dow closed above 20000 for the first time in 2017, topped 30000 in 2020. My 401k rejoiced over and over and over and over again, except it's actually 403b, but you get the idea. Trump's administration eliminated eight regulations for every one regulation that was uh, adopted, and it removed nearly 25,000 pages from the Federal Register. Obama's administration added 16,000 pages. He got us out of the, the absolutely awful Iran deal, the job-killing Trans-Pacific Partnership. He got us out of NAFTA, and he removed us from the one-sided America-punishing Paris Climate Accord, which we've already gone over because now Biden has got us back into it already. For the first time in 70 years, under Trump, the United States became a net energy exporter and was the number one producer of oil and natural gas in the world. That is about to change because Biden has already issued orders that are killing our jobs and destroying our status 
as oil exporter. He's, he's making us dependent on foreign oil again in just one day. Trump eliminated the Obamacare individual mandate, which gave financial relief to low- and middle-income households that made up nearly 80% of the families who paid that penalty for not wanting to purchase health insurance on the exchange. Trump built over 400 miles of the most robust and advanced border wall in the world. And by the way, if walls didn't work, then why were they all around the Capitol when Joe Biden was sworn in? They do work, and illegal border crossings have plummeted over 87% in the areas where the wall has been constructed. Joe Biden, by the way, first day in office, ended that construction. During his four years in office, Trump secured three pay raises for our military men and women and their families, including the largest raise they've received in over a decade. And under the Trump administration, terrorists were aggressively sought out. The leader of ISIS, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, was vanquished, and the world's top terrorist, Qasim Soleimani, was eliminated. I could continue. I could continue for quite a while, but you probably get the idea. As it turned out, I I was right. Trump wasn't a Republican president, at least not like any that I'd ever seen before in my lifetime. Often crude and rude, and he tweeted much too often. His accomplishments, however, skyrocketed our economy and truly demonstrated his commitment to putting America first. In short... Trump did what he said that he was going to do. Though his personality and his personal life left much to be desired, the economic and policy results of four years of Trump's implementation of conservatism are nothing less than staggering. And I know, I know there are those who are going to point at the unfortunate events of January 6th and say that that is the legacy of Trump, as if those that entered the Capitol building are an accurate entire representation of the 30,000 plus people that were at the march that day and the more than 74 million people that voted for Trump, which, by the way, again, more votes than Obama ever received, and that, and that those individuals and their behaviors reflect the issues that are important to the 74 million people who voted for Trump. I mean, guys, look, even Bill Maher said, let's not confuse 5,000 people with 74 million. So let me say this to those of you that are that are discouraged this week, and, and I get it. But let me say this. I this is what I see. I don't see a mob of 74 million angry Americans that are bent on destroying our country. I see 74 million Americans who recognize that conservative principles, even when implemented by the most unlikely and often unlikable of individuals, work. And for you 74 million people who voted for Donald Trump and everyone else who might be listening, remember this, Trump's departure is not the end of the book. It's not. I don't believe that God is finished with our country yet. It's, this is merely the turning of the page or the end of a chapter. Yes, my heart is grieved for my nation today. I, I am appalled at what Obama has done thus far. I am heartbroken by the glee of Planned Parenthood and his promises to overturn the life-affirming legislation Trump enacted. And he's expected to, to do stuff with the Mexican policy, the Mexico policy, rather, this week still, and, and possibly even the Hyde Amendment, which is, which is, which is just devastating for the unborn. I'm deeply concerned with how his agenda will raise my taxes and already already he's heading that direction with what he's done uh, which will lower my income essentially and and he's enacting regulations that are already killing jobs and which will tank our economy. I'm I'm scared for my friends in in Hong Kong, Taiwan, and Israel 
as their champion fades into history. It terrifies me that the CNN I've appeared on is now calling for deplatforming their rivals and that Republicans who voted against certifying the Electoral College uh, votes are being called seditionists, orchestrating treason, though those terms were never used when Democrats did the same thing in 2001, 2005, and 2017. Yes, there is much to be concerned about today. But, despite it all, and even despite his unfortunate first day in office, I am not discouraged and I will not give up. Because this is not the end, America. Light shines brightest when darkness reaches its peak. This is not the time to run and hide under a bushel. It is not the time to pack up your toys and go home. This conservative is your time to shine. This is your time to help the nation understand the why of conservatism. That conservative principles are what always have and always will make our country great. And if you're a Christian, this is your time to shine. This is your time to help the nation understand the why of Christianity. That loving God and loving others are the greatest commandments and the driving factors in your life and that it is those very principles of Christianity upon which our republic stands. For as John Adams said, our Constitution was made holy for moral and religious people. It's wholly inadequate to the governance of any other. America will not work, Christian, without you. My conservative friends, my Christian friends, do not walk away from this fight. Stand strong even when you stand alone. And, and let me say this too. Trump was by no means a perfect president, nor is he a perfect man. And you're, you're not going to find one if you look. But as a conservative, I am grateful for his administration. I am grateful for the way that he kept the promises he made. I am grateful for the advancement of conservative ideals and how conservative principles where they were implemented bettered our nation during his term. For that, I say thank you, President Trump. I was a trepidatious supporter the first time around, but it was my great pleasure to join 74 million plus other Americans in voting for you this second time. I and at least 74 million other Americans are going to miss Donald Trump and the policies that he enacted. But now Joe Biden is our president. He's the 46th president of the United States, and though I question the legitimacy with which he got there, and I didn't vote for him, and, and though he and I share basically zero common ground politically, I will do for him as I did for President Trump. I will pray for President Biden, for his family, and for his administration. I will pray that if he is not saved, that he will be saved, and that if he is saved, that he would lead in a way that would reflect Christian principles. I will pray that he will prove me wrong. I pray that he would make decisions that would be in the best interest of our nation, that he will honor our Constitution, and that his decisions will uphold traditional conservative American values. I hope that you will do the same. And, and, and I know I've, I've had this conversation with some people and they say, well, it's not going to matter. It doesn't matter. He's going to do whatever he wants. He's just a hardened case. He's just going to do, he's going to do A, B, C, D, and look, he's already doing it. Well, you're, you're right. So what are you going to do to stop that? Have you prayed for him? Are you praying for him? Because he, he is doing those things. So if you're not praying for him, yeah, you're, you're probably right. It probably is just going to continue on like that. 
So why don't you pray for him? What, what have you got to lose? And by the way, praying for your president is just as much about you as it is about him. There's a reason that Jesus told us to pray for our enemies. And it's not, it's not necessarily so that our enemies can be blessed. No, we, we don't want Joe Biden to be successful in implementing things that are going to hurt our nation and implementing policies that are going to cause the murder of unborn children. No, that's not the success that we pray for. We pray for him to do what is right so that we can live quiet and peaceable lives in godliness and honesty as Timothy said or as Paul said to Timothy. We pray for him to do the things which would be in the best interest of our nation. Obviously killing our own citizens is not in the best interest of our nation. Obviously destroying jobs is not in the best interest of our nation. We don't pray for the success of evil. We pray for him because one he is our president. He is our authority, and that is what the Bible tells us to do. But two, we also pray for him because in praying for him, it helps to transform our hearts. Because some of you, some of you are really kind of bitter and angry. And I, 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 I understand the concern for our nation. I get that. I really do. But you allowing yourself to be consumed with anger and bitterness over the results of the election is not going to change the fact that Joe Biden is the president. So we pray for him that he would do right. And we pray for him so that our hearts are transformed and we don't end up in that bitter, miry pit. God bless. And God bless America.